Hi everyone, welcome to Are We Pretty? A podcast dedicated to highlighting all things drag. I'm the amazing Annalie Duchesne. And this is Miami Rose. Whether you're a fan of drag or a full-time entertainer, this is the podcast for you. Each episode is cram-packed with drag news, exclusive interviews, and a weekly topic that'll leave you gagging (laughs) for more. Oh my God, you're gagging so much on this topic. This week, we dive into the world of drag families with our extra special guest, McKenna Michaels, the 2021 National Showgirl at large. So get ready to get into it. This is... Are we pretty? Hi, Miami Rose. How you doing? Hello. My God, we're back. I mean, the people keep asking for it, so we can't stop at this point. You know, at some point, you know, you just have to go with what people want. And what they want is to know if we're pretty. What do you think? It's definitely what I think. Um, And... As we've said before, they definitely already know the answer to that. So, you know. Yeah, and if you disagree, if you disagree, you can follow me on Instagram. Thank you. Yes, we love thank it. you. Follow me too. How have you been? <laughs> oh. How have you been? Uh, okay, today was stressful just because it was a long day. Um, the big, The biggest thing is that I ended up having to walk like, 45 minutes to the car dealership to pick up my car because I didn't make good plans for to have ride to have a ride to the dealership today. So I walked for 45 minutes to get there. So my ass is really tired, but also, you know, my 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 thighs are looking cute. So um, but you know, not not much has been going on. Just being a human. Um did a couple performances here and there, and um I'm just surviving and thriving. How are you? I, I love that for you. It sounds like you had a good leg day. Um, who needs a gym when you have a road? Uh, I've been really good, honestly. Today's been a really fun day. So I have been on this journey. I just have to talk about this because I don't think the kids know that foam wigs are the motherfucking wigs of 2022. It, starting this new year, I am just going to wear fucking foam wigs. I made one. Let, okay, first of all, let me let me explain this to y'all. I went on a deep dive on the internet because I was like, I'm so tired of having to order wigs and style them. I want to make something that's going to last me forever. So I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? I stumble upon a foam wig on Etsy for $700. $700. Keep in mind, this shit was amazing. I was like, oh my God, I want it. I want the $700 wig, but I'm on a $7 budget. So I looked up YouTube videos on how to do this shit and I made one. And honestly, I'm kind of addicted. It's pretty fucking cool if I do say so myself. For my first attempt, I did a pretty good job. Um, and maybe you'll see that on my Instagram coming later this week. But until then, you'll just have to wait. Oh, my God. Uh, or maybe it's already up. I don't know. I don't know when this shit's going out. We'll find out. Anyway, I have been making them all day today because I've been addicted. And it's so easy and cheap. Fuck wigs. Fuck a wig. We're wearing foam sculptures on our head in 2022. That's all I have to say. That's that's my news. My news is that turns out I'm an artist. Who knew? I. You know what? I'm going to be here for this moment with you. Um, 
I have never, well, oh, that's not true. Uh, for my avant-garde look, that, the the flower, that centerpiece flower was all foam. And it was beautiful. Really? Yeah, it was foam. Um, it wasn't styrofoam. It was like the, the you know, you, you could like sew into it, whatever. Uh, I dyed it. I dyed it yellow and purple. And yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be here for this foam, foam sculptures for 2022. Yeah, honestly, fuck a wig. Um, speaking of wigs, how is the wig that I made you going? Okay, the wig you made me. Um, She's definitely she's fallen out in, in like a place, but also that's mostly mine and, and Scott's fault or Terabelle. I, I don't know what to call him. Um, that's mostly our fault. We don't really have a lot of good space and storage. Um, <clears throat> we've tried here and there to make stuff happen in our garage, but then it gets so hot in there. And so she's mostly good. Um, I just I'm, I'm just going to have to like I'm just going to have to help her out a little bit, you know. Um, but I will be wearing her uh, this coming Saturday, I guess, whenever this comes out this past Saturday, whatever. She's going to be worn again. Pictures will be somewhere, maybe even a video. Um, but she's doing good. She's keeping it cute. And I love that you're like, it was mostly your fault, implying that my styling is inaccurate. When in actuality, the <laughs> night after, this is for the fucking record. The night after War of the Roses, I was like, bitch, we got to get the fuck out of here. It is too late. I walk outside only to see Annalie with the wig upside down in her hand, grasp in the fist. It looked like a fucking rotted dead dog in your hand, the way you were holding it. I was like, this bitch just fucking, she wore that wig one time and said, you know what? Fuck this wig. And I live for it. <laughs> Honestly, honestly, I can't wait to see what it looks like. I can't wait to see what it looks like the next time you wear it, because I, I, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be war torn. No, it, it. I, I put it on the other day, uh, to practice for just one, just to kind of put it on, because I really do love the wig. But I, I wanted to see how it would move with this number, um, and like what it was gonna be like. It's, it still looks really cute. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know how to take care of wigs. I, you know, like I've already said, I've never had a drag family. Like, I didn't grow up with one. I have one now, um, but I you were left on the bus stop when you were three. Uh, actually, my mom never even took me to the bus stop. Okay, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so you know, I don't know how to take care of stuff. So you know, that wig, she'll be cute. It's fine. I love that. And when in doubt, just add a bang and call it a day. <laughs> you know, you know, just a or deep make a bang. Sar- make a styrofoam wig. Or just make a styrofoam wig and throw it away, you know? Yeah. Fuck a wig. So uh, what's been going on in Drag World? Have you done any performances? Oh, wait, you had your your uh, your show, Get Into It. Is, I did, yeah. So we, right? Yeah, you got it right. Um, so we, before the pandemic happened, I, I had a show in Jonesboro called Get Into It. It was really fun. Um, and the whole premise of the show is whatever you want to serve, you serve and the audience has to get into it. Well, COVID was not into it. So she had the bitch canceled and I'm finally getting to bring it back. I'm so excited. It's such a fucking fun show. And honestly, like, I just love to see what everybody brings because the whole concept of the show is to do what you want. And it doesn't matter what 
the rules of drag are, where you're from, or like how you feel you should be doing drag. You do what you want to do at the show and the audience will get into it because that's the whole point. You know, I just, I love the message behind the show. And if you'd like to perform, if you're listening out there in your local, or if you want to travel, honestly, just hit me up and uh, I'll, I'll get you down for, for a spot. And if you're a patron and you want to come and support, you can check out um, my social media and follow me because I'm always posting new shows and new dates for LP. So you know how it is working girls. Yeah, I was at that show and um, it was really, really fun. It was really good. There was definitely a variety. Um, it, it was a it was a lovely show. And then here's the thing, Miami, you really are one of my favorite hosts as well. I mean, you're just one of my you're just you're just so good. And when you're on the mic, it's funny hearing last time you talked or which episode? Our, our one of our episodes of the podcast if, if you haven't listened to episode one go listen to it um but when you were talking to Bristine, um we you were talking about how you felt so nervous the first time and like watching you now you are a pro it's so funny to watch you and I love how crassy and how mean you are thank you <laughs> you know it's it's funny because I feel like I'm outside of being in drag I'm not like a mean person like I feel like I'm pretty nice but the second I put the wig on and the tights I just get angry and I feel like I have to take it out on the audience and that's honestly like I feel like that is the funnest part of drag is being the character and like getting into it you know getting into it oh my god full circle moment come to get into it uh it's so fun it's such a fun show and I'm so glad that everybody enjoyed it it was it was honestly like really refreshing to be on the mic hosting the gig again because you know I haven't really got to do that since the pandemic has kind of, well it's not first of all let me make this very clear for all of our listeners the pandemic is not over get vaccinated and if you for some reason cannot get vaccinated make sure you're wearing a mask and doing your part but the pandemic's not over however it just you know it feels nice to be back on stage and doing our shit so I'm just glad I got to host and honestly like I want to see you do some hosting gigs because I remember back in the day, pre-COVID, you were hosting some gigs in Jonesboro. And honestly, you are one of the funniest people I know on a mic. You're just fucking quick. That's what's good about you. You're quick and you know what to say to make people laugh. You know, I have to agree. And actually, um, I also performed uh, this, this past week or last week, whatever. I performed at Drew's in Memphis. Um, it was a show, it was on a Saturday, a show hosted by Eleanor K. Rigby. And when we were backstage, for whatever reason, she just looked at me and she was like, hey, how do you feel on a mic? Uh, and I was like, well, you know, I, I, I hosted some shows in Jonesboro and I, and I really loved it. I thought it was fun. Um, and uh, yeah, and Eleanor was like, okay, well, do you want to host tonight, co-host? And I was like, sure. So I got to go out there and do a little bit of hosting. Um, and it was very, very fun. It's, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a really fun way to interact with the audience. And I, I will say that I think I'm good on the mic and I know how to make the audience laugh. I, I, and honestly, it's just me being stupid. That's honestly my favorite kind of drag is dumb yeah. drag. I mean, y'all know anybody that's ever been to a, a live show with me and heard me talk about drag, you know how I feel about it. I just, <laughs> drag to me is this it's this thing. It's, it's, it's the dumbest shit I've ever done in my life, but it's also the best 
shit ever. Like I would never want to do anything else. This is what I see myself doing at nine years old. So I just, I don't know. Like drag to me, is just like so much, but also so stupid. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. Totally. Uh, for me, I also like the, 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 the stupidness, the silliness of it all. And, and I know that's not everybody, that's not what everybody is doing. You know, some people are not serving that fantasy at all, but that is the drag that I just, I really get and I like, and it's, it's my favorite. Um, but you know, whatever, all drag is, all drag is valid and all drag is my favorite, but I like the stupid kind the most. It's very that. Um, so, so yeah. what, what, what's this week's topic? What are we talking about this week? Oh, this week we are, oh, interesting. We're talking about drag families. Here's why I just did that. So earlier in this intro, I mentioned talking about families on a podcast. That's actually this one. So my timelines are fucked up. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's fantastic. We love, uh, I'm telling y'all, the bitches that are listening, they're probably like, girl, do y'all ever have shit together? Like, <laughs> And here's the thing. If you were sitting in the room with us, you would know that in front of our fucking faces, we have a big screen that has like the list of all the shit we're supposed to talk about. And we just can't do it. Like, I can't. I can't. I can barely stay on track. So, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about this week's topic. I I feel like drag family is such an important part of drag and it's built into our culture so much. So I just can't wait to dive into it. And we're getting to talk to one of my favorite drag queens of all time, yeah. the wonderful, the incomparable Miss McKenna Michaels. Oh my God, I'm so excited. How are you feeling about our guest? Are you excited? Oh, I'm so excited. I fucking love McKenna. Um, probably one of the first Jonesboro queens I've ever seen. No, was one of the first I ever seen. It was you, it was her and some other people that I honestly have not left a lasting impression in the way that y'all have uh, but I, I I love I love McKenna Michaels I honestly she definitely inspires me a lot she inspires my drag a bunch um she's so good and so talented and so kind and uh yeah I'm fucking excited I cannot wait to pick her brain and talk to her oh my god well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to interview Miss McKenna Michaels and get all the tea, all the info. And it's going to be great. So if you want to hear that, stay listening. And we'll be right back. Whether you're a drag performer or a bride on their wedding day, you always need to serve a look. Luckily, there's Nailed by Love. Nailed by Love closely works with clients to design and create custom nails and nail gloves. And let me tell you, I am a satisfied returning customer. Not only are my gloves always beautiful, but Dixie Love and her husband, Mr. Love, always keep me updated on the progress of the design. Plus, before taking any payment, they make sure you're satisfied with their work. So if you're looking to step up that hand game, check out Nailed by Love. You can find their social media and contact information in the description of this episode. Welcome back to this conversation that we're about to have with the one and only Miss McKenna Michaels. McKenna, say hi to the people. Hi, everybody. How's it going? We all having a fat and sassy day. Yeah, if you're already creeped out, work. Um, oh, no. I, I stay creeped out. 
<laughs> if you stay creeped out, you ain't got to. You ain't got to get creeped out. Okay. Yes. God, I hate gay people. Okay. Um, they're okay. Yeah, they're they're okay. Um, McKenna, to get us started, um, why don't you just give us a little backstory? Give us a little moment. What is your what's your origin story of McKenna? Um, like as via my origin into drag or into as like me by myself. Yeah, I would both. say. Oh no, go ahead, Miami. Why don't you? I I would love to hear both. I would love to hear your your like how how you kind of came about into the world of drag and how you've kind of discovered yourself as as who you are in today's age. Oh, girl, do we have this kind of time? <laughs> no, so keep it brief. <laughs> oh, period. I got you. I got you. No, um. Well, I'm from a very, very small town in Northeast Arkansas. Um, small as in like total population, entire town, 400 at that time. Um, I graduated, um, I, I would say top of the class, but it's not hard to be top of the class when there's only 23 of you. Um, I don't know. I was always kind of outspoken and not really not really an outsider per se, but definitely outspoken in the sense that I didn't really fit in with just one general clique of people. I kind of like bounced around to everyone. I was very much a social butterfly and that kind of got me into theater. And, you know, like every little gay boy growing up, I decided to tap into the more artistic side of who I was. Um, and yeah, I had found out through theater what, um, drag was through impersonation because we had a very very open-minded and a very accepting theater and uh especially acting group that i used to work with and uh it was brought up around the time of the nutcracker and i wanted to do mother ginger because i had heard through history that it was typically played by a, a male character and i was just was so intrigued by that that i thought it was just phenomenal i was like oh could you imagine just being this big burlesque looking redhead on stage? And they're like, wow, you're just a gingerbread woman. Calm down. But I was like, no, like I, and it was just so intriguing to me that people use that as a form of theater or, or use that in theater. And then some friends of mine, whenever I was younger, sorry, I just had enchiladas. So my stomach, or my, I may be a little gassy. You're welcome. That's hot. We live. That's life, baby. <laughs> That's life. And um, we'll come back to the enchiladas. Huh? We'll come back to those. Definitely, they were flawless. But um, and that led me to like me and some friends. We went to a gay bar when I was I was just seventeen. I lived in a small country town. I used to have a real, real hick southern country voice, and so I guess that was charming in the aspect. So they let us in when we were 17 which was totally illegal I won't say who it was but um we went in and I remember seeing this um large woman that I was like okay a whole bunch of over accentuated makeup and it was a drag queen and the very first time I ever the very first queen I ever saw her name was Veronica Gray she's passed away now she was a former Miss Missouri US of A because at the time I lived in Poplar Bluff and I thought I was like this woman is huge 
huge. Like I, I was like, I was like, this is uh, something is going on. <laughs> and then I was like, but it was the most comical thing to watch. Like she was the, she was the center of the room whenever you walked in, like you couldn't help, but there was a huge, huge bar full of people, but you couldn't help to just focus on her. And that was intriguing to me. So like I eventually went up to her and cause I'm, I'm a very outgoing person. Like I said, and I went straight up and I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what this is, but I love it. Love it. And she told me, she was like, well, that's, that's stunning. She's like, uh, she immediately tried to um, tried to hook up with me. And then I was like, no, ma'am, I think I want to do this. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, okay, well, sit down. And so they sat down and they started just telling me about drag and tell me about like the sisterhood and the camaraderie that comes from it. And, and they all just sat around and uh, got out of drag and told stories. And so that's what I've, I've really taken from drag is the stories that I've learned from drag. Now here I am, just a a bitter obese woman in Northeast Arkansas, but a talented bitter old woman in Northeast Arkansas. <laughs> I love that. That is that's an amazing origin story. Um, I I want to know before we dive into our topic, um, you recently won the title of Miss National Showgirl at Large. How exciting! is that I, I, I have to know, I want to, I want to pick your brain. What were you feeling in that moment of, of winning that title? How did, how did that come about? And, and how are you feeling now? Well, I, I will start off saying it's for this particular pageant system. We are not a miss system. We are actually all inclusive. So it's, it's in general, it's just national showgirl at large. We don't, we don't better work. Miss. Um, we just have national showman, national showgirl, and you're able, able to compete with those titles. But um, that's just for TM purposes. But uh, the thing that I loved about it, or in that moment, I don't know, like, because I didn't, I didn't perceive that I had won until after like the second category award. Because the first one they announced that I didn't win interview. And I was like, okay, well, I felt I had a pretty strong interview, but I didn't win. So in that immediate moment, the moment you didn't win the first award, you're like, okay, so there's a chance that I didn't win. And so immediately you have to like expect that. You have to prepare for that. You have to prepare that um, all the time or work and effort that you had put into this pageant if I had not have won, would have been just another stepping stone for me to win again the next year. So I, I automatically turn on that mindset. If I don't win, I'm going to be beyond proud of whoever did. And so I was just excited for them, for my experience that I had there. And then, um, and then they announced evening gown winner. And I was like, just thrown away. I was like, I was so ecstatic. I was like, ooh, this is like, it could be first alternate. And I didn't know it was still a toss up at that point. And then whenever they announced me uh, the next two categories, I, it had hit. And I was like, I know that I just won this pageant. I, I, and, it, and it very well could have possibly been that I didn't win. But in my heart, I knew that all, all the work and all the hard work and the dedication and the love and the amount of like my own personal love that I feel for this pageant and love that I put into my package, it was going to pay off. I felt it. I was like, I, I, 
I know that I didn't like, cause I cried many, many a nights in preparation and just thinking of like ideas, concepts, formulas for the right package that I wanted to provide for myself. But I told myself that all I'm going to do is just put love into every bit of it. And that's all I wanted to do was just put my whole heart in my package because I think that's what the judges want to see. They want to see that where your heart lies. And since I found National Showgirl Pageantry, my heart had lied, has lied with them. And whenever, whenever I, I felt I, I knew I won, I knew that all the love that I put into the pageant was being seen. Yeah, you... I, I saw what was posted on like social media and whatnot and some stuff on Snapchat. Um, so if you follow McKenna Michaels, uh, you know, some of, you can definitely see some of what she brought to the pageant and it was fucking gorgeous. You looked amazing. That Thank talent you. number was so fun. Um, I really, really love McKenna Michaels. This is one of the people that I've looked up to as, as a drag performer and as a person even as well. Um, and I just fucking love you, girl. I love you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I love you as well. You're amazing. I'm glad that we were friends and stuff before I got to know you in drag, which was awesome for me. I want to know, I, I, you know, after you had won this pageant, I know this was something you'd worked for for such a long time. I want to throw it back all the way to the first pageant you ever did. How was going into a pageant for the first time? How did that differ from now you know you going in and basically sweeping the whole motherfucker and, and winning mm, i wish I, it's different in the aspect that um now in pageants people kind of have a a concept of what they think judges want to hear and what they want to see but it's not that i mean i understand you have to apply to a certain amount of taste level for different judges but in all actuality, whenever I went in for my very first pageant, uh, now mind you, my very first pageant was literally my third or fourth time in drag ever. I was thrown into a preliminary for um, Miss Missouri US of A and it was like my third time in drag. And I had went to some bars and I'd seen some queens do some stuff and I was like, um, okay, so they do like the mixes, they mix together their songs. And so I was like, okay, so I got the rules and I was like, all right, show up business casual for interview, uh, have a talent mix, no more than seven minutes and you need an evening gown. And it just had description said, be pretty. And then, um, then get ready for crowning. And I said, okay, this is what three different looks I can do this. It's no big deal. So we got on the good old eBay back then. And, um, we had found a dress that was, uh, well, speaking of it now, it was a stretch, um, Miriam Luciani gown back in the, the old, old days. And um, it was just a green stretch glitter, lime green stretch glitter material. And we thought we were so puss because we had bought a 145 pack of rhinestones and we were about to rhinestone the shit out of it. And so we put like 15 on the front of the slip and we put like 15 on the train in the back and we thought I was everything. And baby, I look like a busted can of biscuits that have been rolled in lime green jello. It was awful. I bought this um, Dolly Parton wig, essentially, from eBay. It had a huge, like, barrel curl bang that was just a solid flat line. And then a huge Dolly Parton bump and curls that cascaded down the back. Sounds lovely via description. Was not lovely via execution. 
nor pageant quality. But I will say probably my most proudest moment, aside from winning nationals, was that very first pageant. I won interview with a perfect score, my very first pageant. And that was because I hadn't been force-fed all these ideas of what judges want to hear in interview. I haven't been told like, oh, well, if they ask this question or this is what you're supposed to say, or if they ask this question, this is what you're supposed to say. I went in with an open mind and no knowledge of essentially what I was doing. So I was literally the most honest I had ever been. And it was, it was truly authentic. They came in and they asked me questions and they were like, tell us about your childhood or, or tell us a little bit about yourself. And I literally went in from the time I was a little, a little boy in Northeast Arkansas to the time I was at that bar essentially but I was I was a conversationalist I was good at talking to people I had no problems opening up I I'm I'm very proud of where I am now via where I came from in a sort of sense and so I was totally cool with you know letting people into my life and yeah it was fun I would say it's it's a lot more different being prepared now and understanding that you still have to be authentic but now your authentic self has to live up to those standards. Yeah, really beautiful advice. And um, it's it's great to hear this too, because you know it's not often that we just, that I've like sat down and just asked you questions about your experience in the pageant world and all that. So it's, 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 it's nice to hear it in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, pageant is a big part of, of what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've definitely done so much amazing work to, to receive the accolades and the win that you won. Um, But I also know that something that's really important to you is also your your drag family. And I imagine that they have been a huge support in in your, you know, in in your pageantry world. Um, Talk to us a little about about that. How has your drag family, and what is a drag family for those of you, for those who may not know? When I first started doing drag, a drag family to me, it wasn't as much, uh, I guess you would call it a familiar or familial bond as much as it was, um, it was an aesthetic. It was, uh, we had a group of friends and we all thought we'd get together and, you know, start doing the same clothing trends. It was great for like, um, like photo opportunities, like, ooh, we're the bloody, bloody blah sisters or, were, were quote unquote the Heathers, but not as nowhere near as cool as the Heathers. But it was it was definitely a, it was a it was a camaraderie that we had had that I was I was very proud to have because it helped introduce me into a form of drag that I never thought I would have I would have fell into. I always thought you know growing up I was a very individualist type person. I was I was very independent. I was very um, I was literally the star of my own show in a sense. And it really taught me, it taught me a lot about the, about where I wanted to go with my drag career and realizing doing things on your own is a lot harder. And it's always good to have a family. Back then it was like, it was good to have a family to help you with props or with talents or with numbers and like creative ideas and brainstorming. And that's all it was, was sitting around and like mutual thinking about a same subject via drag. And then from where that's became, or from where that has developed from there, I, I realized that a drag family is so much more than that. If 
it's essentially what you want to get out of it is what a drag family could be like uh just for example like um the conceptual idea of a mom it's something like whenever you think about it being in terms of drag is the very first person that painted you and i'm like well i i consider that as someone i mean mother no someone important in your drag life yeah because that's someone who helped kicked off where you're going but now where i am now in my drag career when i think of my drag mom it's in a sense of a maternal figure like entirely like i i do have my biological mom and i do love my biological mother dearly but like being from a small small town a very close-minded town it's good to have a drag mother who's more than just a drag mother someone who knows about you know the gay life growing up especially she herself was from a very small town and growing up and living her life how she is or how she does now and how she has gotten to the point where she is now because she too now has gained a very big success but um it's a, she's become a lot more than that she's more that more of it's a best friend to me now like i have my biological mother who i can go to for mom stuff but i have my drag mother who i can go to for the emotional stuff that my biological mother wouldn't understand couldn't understand because she herself being from a small minded town still understands a lot of those same values and i've been enlightened enough to understand that those values have nothing to do with the way that i live my life but to have someone who's been through a lot of the same things very similar background and especially with me now transitioning so late in life it's good to have a drag family that is there and accepting regardless of any background that i've ever been through because that's something that's that you lose with a lot of your biological family whether they want to admit it or not you lose a lot of that and so you lose a lot of yourself because i mean especially me 30 years old i've put so much into my biological family that whenever i am now changing who i am now to feel more myself and be more comfortable as myself i'm beyond proud that i can call my drag mom anytime and say hey mom listen i have to i need to talk about this or i have i have several drag sisters and siblings that i could call and be like you know what i'm kind of going through stuff and they and they understand because in our family we don't take becoming a family member lightly like before i even became a part of uh my drag family um my mother y'all may know uh kasha adonis is she holds herself to a higher standard but she does it because that's in my opinion i think that you have to know your worth and you have to know what you're able to offer people and what you're able to put in the world but you also have to know how your heart is in your career and i think that was one thing that i i was very very proud to take from her was i have a huge heart and i can love just as much as i know other people can love me and so i know whenever it even came time for me to join her family it was it was a debate it's not something that she takes into lightly because you still have to build trust with people it's not just hey girl we take over this be my mom take my name no no i was actually asking her to be a part of my life because i knew that it was a part of my life that i wasn't going to be able to get um organically wow very um touching story um i 
I was wondering in, when you were going to say Akasha Adonis, it was like music to my ears mm. to, to hear you finally name her. Um, actually, this is something I've always been curious about. And this is a little bit lighter, I suppose, this question. But um, so your drag mother mm-hmm. um, is Akasha Adonis, but you mm-hmm. are a Michaels. How did that happen? Before my mother was Akasha, I did have another mother. Um, she went by, she was a Michaels. And um, she was one of the first women that did paint me well. I will say that she did paint me very, very beautiful. And um, we were another part of another family. And uh, I had two other sisters. We were all three Michaels and all of our names were M and McKenna Michaels, Maya Michaels and Milani Michaels. And then our mother was Memphis. We were all M's because we're fat and we like candy. And um, it was something that I, I was very serious about and I was very passionate about. And at the time I wanted, I was, I was ready to get in there and be eager to succeed. I had seen um, Memphis, she had done well in pageantry. My sister Milani had done well in pageantry. Um, they were both former Miss Gay Missouri's. And I, I had the itch, the, the burn that I was ready. I was ready. I thought, you know what, I'm ready to get into pageants. This is something I want to do. Let me turn that down. Leave me alone. You're not here right now. And I said, this is something that I want to do. I'm ready. And I felt like I was ready to take off. But it felt at points like I was being put on a back burner via the other siblings. And in my mind, I thought it was it was a sort of favoritism. Whether it was or wasn't, wasn't aside from the point. It was just how I felt at the time. And I viewed my opinions and or I viewed or expressed my opinions and they wasn't taken with good review in a sense and that was disheartening for me because I was newly out to the to the out and proud gay world to the gay community to the drag community I just moved from the small town I was living in uh, Poplar Bluff at the time and I was looking for a more familial status I was looking for a family like drag family like no I need someone I can talk gossip with as well as share my heart with as well as you know let them and be a shoulder for them to lean on and I I never saw myself really getting anywhere with that and so I I did make a choice to leave the Michaels family but I kept the Michaels name because by that time I had already distanced myself from them and already went on and done pageants alone as McKenna Michaels and I sort of established my own name as McKenna Michaels. They helped me choose it, yes, MM, double standards, but they don't own that. I am the one who was buying my own product. I was like, just because I get inspiration from my marketing name doesn't mean that they take anything from me with that. And so I was really, uh, I was really hesitant whenever I first came to Akasha and I just kinda, I, I more or less just made it a, hey y'all, let's hang out sometime. and. And I just worked my way in friendly because I wanted her, I didn't want to come off as like, hey, please be my mom, please be my mom. Because I did just leave Memphis and she didn't take me on as a child right away. She was very much, well, I will help you as a friend and let's see where you can go. And it just developed a bigger bond, a bigger bond and a bigger bond. And I started realizing, I was like, this woman has saved me in a lot more ways than she could ever realize. There was just some difficult times in my life that I didn't know who I could turn to. And so I did, I had no one else to turn to except for Akasha. 
And it was in moments like that where I realized I was like, I'm beyond grateful to have this woman in my life. I'm beyond grateful to have someone who has been through similar things and knows how to educate me and help guide me in certain instances. She agreed later on after a quote unquote family meeting with everyone else in a, in a group chat on whether or not they should take me in. And I, I passed the test and I was uh, welcomed with open arms and introduced and, and that it's just been like that ever since. It's, it's just been a, it's a, it's been a family that I haven't wanted to leave. And she both agreed that we can, uh, we can keep McKenna Michaels. That's one of what I was going to go by because I established myself as such. Um, as a joke, we do have uh, McKenna Adams Adonis Michaels. So my initials are M-A-A-A-M. So you can just call me ma'am for short. I like hearing the story because I, I've mentioned before that I, I'm kind of new to this world of drag. I don't really don't know much about it. I started my interest in it because of RuPaul's Drag Race, like many people now. But, um, you know, my interest has definitely persisted because of, like, working with other drag performers. I mean, y'all truly are amazing and, and are so inspiring to me. Um, and I say that because I don't have, like, a, I guess what people might think a drag family is. Um, I don't have, like, a mom. No one actually... At, to this point, nobody has ever done my makeup. I, every Everything that I've done has been my own. Um, so um, do you feel like drag performers have to have a drag family to be successful? Um, I know I am an outlier. but uh, No, absolutely not. But uh, I think, I think yeah. there's a lot of self-sufficient queens who are confident enough in their self and, and especially a lot more comfortable in their everyday life and able to do things a lot more independently. But I mean, I was raised from a very small background where family was a huge base of how I lived my life. And I, I like I remember growing up, if we had dinner, it was dinner at a certain time around a table. No one else left and no TV was on. It was just us sitting around a table at dinner. And that has been so just ingrained in my life that, I mean, it's not that I need someone around or need a family. It's that I don't feel I could have been more blessed with the family that I have. I think if, if, if your drag is something that you do want to do independently, I think that's great. But I was like, never, never close off the idea to have at least having friends. I think we're all sisters. We're all brothers and sisters. There's no reason that you can't reach out and help anybody, regardless of familial status. I think everyone deserves an equal chance and, equal, and an equal opportunity at friendship. I love that. You know, I, I think we've talked a lot about how you've kind of been introduced into your into your world of your family your drag family i want to know how do you plan on continuing the legacy that is this brand that both you and your mother and your house has has kind of made how do you plan on continuing that for you know the next generation of queens that may come after us i i take on drag children and i continue a legacy whenever I see the potential that I saw in myself when I was younger, um, it takes a lot for someone, especially who doesn't know about drag to come out of nowhere and be like, this is something that I want to do. Or um, one of my children, Mariah, Mariah Michaels, she, she was an exception in the, in the instance that she didn't ask to be my drag child. We had kind of, I kind of helped her at this little uh, amateur show 
and it was real cute and all this. And um, she later went to a, a bar in Missouri where I was well known, but she didn't know that I was well known. And she told everyone, she's, oh yeah, I'm from Jonesboro, Arkansas. My mom's McKenna Michaels. And they're like, oh, I love McKenna. And I was like, one of my sisters actually lived there. And I was like, you're, you're McKenna's kid? And I was like, because I would have normally said something. She's like, yeah, yeah. And she kept calling her by her, uh, by her boy name. And I was like, who the hell is Jordan? I don't know him. And then I was like, oh. And then I was like, okay, this girl, this girl. All right. I know. Yeah, I know her. I know her. I was like, I didn't think she was my kid. And then so uh, I sat her down and talked to her. And she was like, yeah, I said that. And I was like, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. I was like, thank you. I was like, and it, it was it was a, it was a form of flattery more than anything that her being so new to drag that the drag that I did at that time was something that she wanted to be a legacy of. She wanted to inspire to be like. She wanted to um, she wanted to get into it because of what I put on stage. And I loved that. And I love that because to me, drag should be an inspiration for everyone. It should be. That's why I, I love every single thing that I do down, whether it's um, picking a look or picking emotion or uh, just an emotion or expression that you do with your eye. I think if you do everything with your entire heart and you feel everything you put in performance, that's what's inspiring about drag. And so that's something that I look for in my children. I look for uniqueness. I look stuff that, that that's new and fresh, but still respects the quality roots that were my drag and my family's drag comes from. I was like, my family is very, very heavy pageant based, ballroom scene based, very, very something where it comes from. You put a lot of heart, you put a lot of emotion and you definitely put a lot of time and expense and money and work into it because you know the gain that you're going to get from it is more so than just a crown it's more so than a title it's more so than a plaque you get at a pageant it's it's building a legacy that lets people know how much you care about your craft just the love that i have put into my children i feel alone i know that all of my kids that i have i know they know i love them and I know that they love me. I know that if they ever needed anything in life, that no matter what, they can call me at the drop of a hat and I would do what I could for them. I love that. That is that is such an inspiring, inspiring moment. Oh my God, you've, you've almost got me emotional with, with you talking about, you know, the amount of love that you have for all these people. I don't think a lot of people, you know, people who just come to the shows and they they watch our shows, they don't understand the amount of time that we all spend together working together being backstage together we all really form these bonds and so having a drag family it's just it's even more of a bond and it's even more of a love that it's it, it's really a unique experience and if if you're out there and you're doing drag and you feel like you don't have that connection I, I highly encourage you to really go out into your scene and make those connections with people and form those bonds because this is the shit that this is that real shit, you know, this is the stuff that at the end of the day, that really matters. So I appreciate you coming in and talking about your experience with us because this has truly been so magical. We are um, going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to be answering some listener question and answer portion. It's going to be really sickening, real pageant-like and, uh, oh. and so I hope you, I hope you guys are ready. We'll be ready. right back. 
Are you a drag entertainer in need of a good old-fashioned competition? Well, have I got news for you. Bella DeBall's War of the Roses is now casting for Season 3. War of the Roses is an eight-week competition held at 10 p.m. on Friday night at Atomic Rose in Memphis, Tennessee. Any entertainer may audition. There are no limitations. Last season, the winner took home over $3,600 in cash and prizes. Auditions end Sunday, September 12, 2021 at midnight. You can find more information regarding War of the Roses in the description of this episode. Are you the brightest rose in the garden? Prove it at War of the Roses. Uh, we're back. Hi. Uh, what did y'all do on the break? I got uh, to the candy. Oh, you got you candy. got candy. Yes, John. I've been steadily eating candy. Oh, I think our listeners can hear. No, I don't know. They are very <laughs> welcome. Crunch, crunch, munch, munch. Silky ganache can cook my lunch. Well, speaking of cooking lunches, uh, we are going to go ahead and get some uh, listener questions as well as a question from our very own guest. She said, I don't like y'all's questions. I got a better one, but we'll wait to that <laughs> one. We'll wait for that one till the end. Uh, so the first question that we got is, how do your family and or loved ones feel about you doing drag? I don't know. That's they my mom has always loved that I've done drag um it was a very touchy subject for a little while whenever I, whenever she first found out that I did drag um and I remember her she asked me she's like do you want to be a girl and I knew that she didn't ask it in a sense where I felt comfortable saying yes mom I'm transgender and come out at that moment otherwise I could have <laughs> been further along in my life and where I am now but like I said being around that small-minded mentality whenever the idea of me doing drag was first brought up I was uh terrified at how my family would react but surprised at how they ended up reacting whenever I essentially lied and said no I don't want to be a girl I I do it because I like the theatricality behind it which I did and is ultimately what got me into drag but it also put that in the back of my mind that if I were to come out and tell my mother that I was transgender, that this would be a bad thing for her because I was already preconceived that she was going to think negatively on that. Um, and so for years, it was it was never anything really bad or wrong with it. I was just uh, I was just doing theater. I was just acting. I just do drag. Um, my family have, have been to several of my shows. Um, all my siblings have, and my mom and my dad and uh, my brother-in-laws. Uh, they did think it was slightly unsettling the first time I did a, a, a religious-based number in a nun costume. But that's what you get for small minds in Arkansas. But regardless, um, I never let it deter me whether they liked it or not. I, I I enjoyed what I did and whether or not they liked it, I knew that it made me happy. Yeah, for me, um, again, I uh, maybe I said this here, maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. I am definitely very privileged in having a very supportive family. Even before I was out at all, before I ever did drag, um, I know my mom was begging for me to be queer like 
she was that's that's probably why she gave birth to me because she wanted to right. have a little queer son um but uh, um my mom definitely knows she supports me she shares my shit all the time she the store she works at she's showing pictures of me like look at what my son does um and so she's very supportive uh, she really is my biggest fan even though she's never seen me perform but that's only because she lives in texas i live here in arkansas and so you know, she doesn't have the opportunity to come see, but I know she could if she would. Wait, she would if she could. Whatever, yeah. both both of those. Um, so she's definitely supportive. Also, my um, my now husband, <laughs> flexing that again. Uh, I'm really lucky that uh, he also is very supportive. He does drag himself, and so yeah, they feel they they're supportive. They love me, and uh, I love them. And I'm so so privileged to for that to be my experience. I think for me, when my family found out that I did drag, I remember I was in the car with my mom coming home from, I think we were going to a college thing. It was back when I was trying to do, you know, the whole college experience. And um, she found out that I did drag and was so upset. Just, it was not a good moment for me. And honestly, like still to this day, they're not very comfortable with it. Neither of my parents, but I have powered through it. And I think I've proven to them that I can do this seriously, you know, for a long time that my, especially my mom, she, she just thought this was some kinky shit that I was doing, you know? And it's, it's literally, if you come to any show, which is what I've told her plenty of times, if you come to any show that I'm in and you watch one number, you'll quickly understand that I am not a sexy drag queen. That is not what I do. That is not what I do. I'm a funny bitch. And but, that's where my drag sits. But are you pretty? But am I pretty? I think the audience <laughs> can answer that. Um, so I don't know. It's it's definitely been a journey with my parents and my whole family, honestly. Like, none of them really support it. I don't think I've had any family members ever come to a drag show. But I still am hopeful that one day they will be able to, you know, come and, and get it and understand it. But if they don't, I honestly don't give a fuck because I'm booked, blessed, and busy, and they can they can deal with it or not, but it's not going to stop. So that's what I have to say about that. Um, speaking of but saying wait, things, we got we got to make sure that we document that we're putting that on a T-shirt. Booked, blessed, and busy. Yes. <laughs> it it and will be busted. on the merch and busty, honey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of busty, do you feel like your drag persona and day-to-day personality are two different people or the same bitch? The exact same person. Exact same. I think if you were to hang out with me outside of drag, I'm going to have the same quirky, outgoing personality as I do in drag. That's one thing that I, I, I take a lot of pride in is I don't try to put on a fake facade. Yes, we all have our little quirks and mannerisms that we joke about with all the time, but I'm still going to overall be mckenna i'm still gonna have the same personality i'm still gonna say hey girl uh how you feeling oh well i'm fat that's how are you um i'm not gonna change it via whether it's my everyday life or in drag it's it's me and i want people to always know the authentic me i agree with that and and i relate to that sentiment um i think i think with me uh i like to think that i tone it down when i'm not in drag but everybody that i'm around always tells me that I act the exact same and that I'm crazy 24 seven. So that's fun. And that's fierce and we live. Um, but if you, if you do think that I tone it down, you feel free to let us know in that email 
or um, on our on our little survey thing. You can you can send it in when you answer the question, "Are we pretty?" Which is also yes, by the way. What about you, Annalise? Yeah, I I am different here again. Um, I do feel that my drag persona and day to day personality are different people in a sense. I will say when I'm around. So um, I've said this before. It's a big part of my life. I'm a teacher, and so I I am scared sometimes to to bring out different elements of myself because I don't want to I don't want there to be too many reasons to like lose trust from students from my community from families which is so unfortunate that I feel this way right like I I should be feel safe and maybe even some of it is my own fears and maybe I have nothing to fear I don't know um but I do I do keep the, I I kind of compartmentalize myself and I've kind of always done this in general. Like I even think about when I was younger, I would act differently depending on who I was hanging out with or what friend group I was in. I've always been kind of a chameleon and and like changing, changing myself depending on the environment and the situation I'm in. I will say I wouldn't always say that that's a good idea because I think sometimes people can interpret me maybe as being fake or not really sure who I am, but I don't know me. I think that's just part of who I am. But anyways, yeah, I I do think for me that my persona and my day-to-day personality are two different people, but I do also believe that they inform each other and they're always present in with one another. Absolutely. And I I, I totally I, I I can relate to that so much because I mean, for those of y'all who don't know me, I am married to a school educator and my husband is a teacher. And um he is, um, like I'm sure you'd agree, is probably one of the most important people in my life. Same with yours. And so I think it's very important to be um, apparent and to be uh, available in his life. And so whenever he does do stuff, he, he teaches bands. So I know, like, it's been a while, but whenever I used to go to their, uh, like, the band concerts, I know that I'm a lot in public. And I know that I am a abundantly and unapologetically myself which is never a bad thing to do always be unapologetically you but um I know that there are some instances in which I do have respect for him and when we are in a lot more conservative places especially when it does come to his work I know how to tone myself down it's never something that I think I would want to do for (laughs) extended periods of time which is, I don't know if that's bad to say. I was like, but one band concert is enough, honey. Because girl, if I don't say girl at least 10 times an hour, I'm not being unapologetically myself. Yeah, I, I love to hear that. And I, I, I also want to say that I do think parts of the fears that I have are my own like internalized homophobia that I still am working through. Uh, one day, I, I, I will say when I'm in class, I always say work to anyone. They're like, they're like, I'm done. Work. Good for you. I love that. Um. So. So. Anyway. But man, I would love to just sit there and be like, "Yes, Queen, you better work, bitch." But yeah, <laughs> you know, it's so funny because like one day I did go. Um, I am a trained dancer and everything, and I did help him choreo- choreograph for his color guard one year. They did a Lady Gaga song, and I was like, "Girl, y'all ain't ready." And so I had told I had to work with three of his uh, three of his students, and it was beautiful to be able to like open their eyes and enlighten them to much more than they probably would have ever experienced at the, at that particular small school. So I thought it was, it was, it was an immense pleasure being able to help with that and to be able to show these kids, you know what, 
there's a, and I did, I praised them whenever they would do good things. And I was like, yes, girl, you got it. And I was like, these are high schoolers. But I do think that drag is something that can instill a lot of confidence, especially in younger kids. And that, cause I know that that's what I took from drag a lot of was a confidence and, and uh, personality. And I mean, it's not ego, but bitch, I got an ego and I know how to stroke it to make myself feel good. And I know sometimes I think a lot of kids, especially if they're having trouble blossoming, stroke their ego, girl, let them know they're doing good. Let them know that they're slayful. Even if they're not, let them know that they're doing something and they're trying something different regardless of what other people are looking at them doing. Yes, I love that advice. And I definitely will take some of it to heart for sure. Actually, all of it to heart. Um, <laughs> Just go and tell your students, bitch, you're fucking sick dick. <laughs> right. And there's, right, they're Mr. like, Mr. Duche. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Uh, we got to, we got to get through these questions. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Here's the next one. What's the most hilarious? Hold I on. To- let me think of an answer. Let me think of an answer. I need, okay, I need you to know that I have an answer that I want you to say, but I get it if you don't want to share. Okay, what's the most hilarious backstage or onstage moment that has happened to you or an entertainer that you know? Uh, my answer was purple, so uh, I don't remember. Um, I agree. Oh, gosh, I know you know exactly what. Girl, we're going to be real talking today. Y'all got a lot on this. Are we pretty? Yeah. She's sanitizing her hands. <laughs> this better be the story I think it is because I'm going to scream. I, can't I have, I have to mute my mic because I'm about to scream what? the whole time. I'm a real person. I have flaws. I don't claim to be perfect. I don't claim to be this pillar of community that people think is pristine and excellence. I'm like, girl, this is real shit, real everyday shit. And I talk, cause you know what? You shit, same as I shit. So speaking of shit. Yes. <laughs> girl, I was at a pageant one time and this has been many, many years ago. And I was, um, we had had a huge contestant luncheon after interview. And they thought it would be a great idea to serve some homemade Alfredo. Girl, I'm a fat bitch. I'm going to tear up some Alfredo. And me and some of my Judies, we sat there and had a plate. And then I had another plate because like you do. And so I was sitting there thinking, I was like, oh, okay. Since the hotel. So I need to start getting ready for this pageant. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. So I started getting ready for this pageant. And so we go through all the categories and then we get to evening gown. And when I tell you I have started sweating and my stomach had started gurgling and I was like, I have to put on a corset to get into this evening gown. What, what am I going to do? I was like, I have to shit really, really bad. We're on a timed category. There's two people on stage that I have those two people is all I had to get ready for. So two numbers. And I'm like, I have to shit. I can't say one second, stop the pageant when I go shit, because that's embarrassing. And so I said, like, you know what? I'll just choke it down and just, you know, and just, and just tighten up and just, you know, breathe through it like you do. 
Well, we're sitting on the middle of evening gown. I go through and I do my walk and I say, all right, this is beautiful. So I go backstage and wait for comparative, which in this particular pageant, all the girls line back up in a row and they judge us comparatively against each other. Well, as I'm sitting there in evening gown, you know, we're, we're modeling, facing forward. I'm feeling my jush. I know I look cute. And then I turn to the left and I kind of look towards the back of the stage and I just breathe because I know that this corset is cutting into my guts, baby. And I am ready to unleash a Kraken on this little bar. But I was like, no way, this can't happen. And they're like, take another quarter turn to the back. And then all of a sudden I looked over and my friend was looking at me and she said, girl, are you okay? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you are sweating boots. I said, ma'am, I have the meat slits. And I was saying it on stage, like during the evening gum, we were in comparative and I was like, Tegan, I don't know what's going down. Tegan's one of my best friends in uh, Missouri. And I was like, I don't know what's going down, but girl, my stomach is hurting me. And she looked at me and she just kind of chuckled. And I said, I have to shit. And no sooner than I said it, they're like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you may leave the stage. And before they had finished that question statement, I was off stage. I had pulled my wig off in one swift motion. I had started from under my boobs and pushed every amount of tights, padding, evening gown, corset, and one swift motion off of my body. And I ran through that bar in my underwear because I was about to shit in my pants. No sooner did I get in the bathroom, I knew that I had failed my mission. And I was like, well, I guess this happened. You know, I got, I got food poisoning at a, at, a, at a preliminary pageant and it happened and it went down in history. It's probably one of the most amazing things that ever happened in that bar <laughs> because afterwards I had to proudly walk in the buff to the back of the bar to go back to the dressing room and put on a dress for crowning. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> Just shitting yourself. I know she's been sitting there wide jawed this entire time. Like, no. Way. I, so you've told me this story before. And oh, my, every time I think about this, this fucking story, I just, I can't. That is the funniest shit. Literally, the funniest shit. So literally, I've ever literal heard. funniest shit. And I, I and back to drag family. The first person that I called was my drag mom, and I was like, "Mom, I just crying. I shit at the pageant." <laughs> she said, "Did you win?" I said, "Of course not." What a lovely thing to say. Speaking of lovely, McKenna, this has been so amazing to get to speak with you. I've had a blast. Thank you so I've much. enjoyed eating four dumb, dumb suckers. I love it. You've just been sucking away. It's um, like pageant crack for uh, Honey Boo Boo, except I didn't, I don't like pixie sticks. Mm. We love, we love crack. Say crack again. Oh, crack. Oh, there we go. Crack. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. McKenna, before you go, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Um, Social media um, handles? Something? I would like to say you can always follow me at the McKenna Michaels on Instagram. Um, and if you want, you can also follow Michaels Production Company. It's where I do shows in Jonesboro, Arkansas uh, at our local uh, bar, Cregan's Downtown. Um, coming up, I do know that we have 
our Slayful Saturday, September 4th, where we are going to be having a coronation ceremony for Miss Cassidy St. James as our Magnolia National Showgirl at Large. She will be my very first qualified contestant for National Showgirl at Large next year, and that will be happening this coming Saturday in Johnsboro, Arkansas at Cregan's Downtown. If by chance this doesn't air after or before then, if not, I suggest like LA says, and build a fucking time machine and go to it. Because it's going to be great. Okay, so she listens to the pod. Okay. I love, I love <laughs> casting pods. Down my throat, don't eat Tide Pods. Not eating Tide Pods, I can't. <laughs> well, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening. We all had such a blast filming this. And I honestly cannot wait to see what's next week. Um, we love you guys. If you think we're pretty, make sure you let us know. You can also contact us if you want to send in any questions. Go ahead and send those to our email. And we will see you guys next week. And uh, I love you all so much. If you want, you can find some of my fat and sassy merch at 870merch.com. We have a local artist who also does a lot of great and sickening fashion choices. And thank you all. Don't be afraid to be unapologetically yourself every day. Keep it fat and sassy. McKenna Michaels, your national showgirl at large, 2021-2022. You better come through messages. All right, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, yep, that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. End the shit, bitch. You know, I'm sorry. Well, thank you for listening to Are We Pretty with Annalie and Miami. If you would like to send in Q&A questions or to contact us, send us an email at areweprettypodcasts at gmail.com. You can follow Miami on Instagram at Miami, And you can follow Annalie on Instagram at AnnalieDreams. Our music from this podcast is produced by Evans Beats. Thank you for listening and we will see you soon. Stay pretty. Stay pretty.